Fantastic. Thank you, everyone. And today we are on to the last of our messages on Revelation. So I'll just pray and then we'll carry on with that. So this is from Revelation 3, verses 14 to 22. Let's pray. And we thank you, Lord. We lift our hearts, we lift our praises to you, to the mountaintop. And as we open up your word today, Jesus, that you would continue to speak to us in your mighty name. Amen. The revelation, revelation had some scary, scary parts. Uh, revelation 6 had stars falling, the moon turning blood red. Revelation 12 is this battle, cosmic battle between the devil, Satan, the woman, angels, fiery dragon. Revelation 15 and 16 has plagues in the wrath of God. Uh, has an angel pouring a bowl into the sea and the whole sea turning into blood and dying. Revelation 20 is a, a beast and a false prophet thrown into a lake of burning sulfur that never goes on. Uh, sorry, never goes out. <clears throat> but Today, I want us to look at, I believe, is the scariest part of Revelation. Really scary to me because it's so relevant to us as a church. And uh, our, our people, our time, our place in history, it's scary. It's really, really scary. And this is Jesus' words to the church at Laodicea. Laodicea, Laodicea. It's the last of the seven churches mentioned in Revelation chapters 1 to 3. It was founded in the middle of the 3rd century by the Greek king Antiochus II. It was settled with Jews and Syrians that were brought back from Babylonia. It sat right on the juncture of major roads running north-south and east-west in the Lycus Valley. It was a banking center for the whole of the region. It was a major medical center specialized in the treatment of eyes. It had famous medical products, uh, two actually, one an ear ointment and one an eye salve. The fertile uh, grazing ground around Laodicea uh, was amazing for the grazing of sheep and it led to a thriving wool and clothing industry. Laodicea actually became famous for its black wool, highly sought after. And because of all this, it meant Laodicea was very wealthy. In fact, when an earthquake devastated the area in AD 60, Rome offered financial help to the different towns and cities of the area. Laodicea was alone in refusing that financial help. That's how wealthy Laodicea was. But there was one thing, one bad thing about Laodicea, one problem Laodicea had, and that was a water problem. Uh, there was water about 10 kilometers away at the city of Herapolis. They had uh, hot springs, in fact, still does. But the time that water got to Laodicea, it would only be lukewarm, and it contained so many minerals, it would be unsafe and unpleasant to drink. In fact, it caused vomiting if you drink it. Uh, there was another possibility of water, but that was 18 kilometers southeast to the city, uh, in the city of 
Laodicea, um, uh, sorry, in Colossae. Colossae actually was blessed with uh, beautiful mountain-fed water. <clears throat> uh, but Laodicea actually had to content itself with getting water from springs 10 kilometers away and using a stone aqueduct system. By the time that water actually got to Laodicea again, it was lukewarm. It was warmed by the Turkish sun. And so Laodicea had the not-so-great options of either hot water cooled down or cold water warmed up. And either way, they had lukewarm water. Let's read the scripture. Revelation 3, verses 14 to 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. I know that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were evil one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I'll give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The church at Laodicea, the church at Laodicea, what were they like? Well, they were bland. They weren't exceptionally wicked or exceptionally righteous. They were more sort of nice. They were black or white, more kind of gray. Not so much really anti-Jesus or fervent about Jesus, just kind of ignoring Jesus. Like a visitor who comes to your house and knocks on your door. You don't, you're not really interested. You pretend you don't hear him. Not hot, not cold, lukewarm. And that's not a safe place. That's a dangerous place. That's, that's not just under the radar. It's not off the grid. That's not laid back. That's dangerous. In verse 16, we're going to look at that soon. But Laodicea, they were bland. But also they were blind. They were blind. <clears throat> they were self-deluded. They didn't know they were wretched. They, they were to be pitied. They actually thought they were awesome. They thought they, <clears throat> they should actually be envied, not pitied. They're described by Jesus in verse 17 as poor, blind, and naked. Poor, blind, and naked. Poor. In the physical sense, the city of Laodicea was not poor. It was rich. It was a banking center for the region. It was a Switzerland of the Lycus Valley. Um, to be devastated by the AD 60 earthquake at that time, 
and um, the emperor Domitian offering to, to rebuild towns in the area. And Laodicea alone was the, the, the city that said, no, we don't need it. We've got enough money. <laughs> so the, physically they were well off, well to do. But in the spiritual sense, they were poor. They were needy. They are poor and also they're blind. As mentioned, Laodicea had a medical training center that people came to for miles to train. One of its uh, specialities was eye medicine. There was an eye ointment Laodicea was, was famous for. It was made in the area and went far and wide for those with eye complaints. But Jesus says, uh, physically you're fixing eyes. Spiritually, you can't even see What's going on? You are blind. They're poor, they're blind, and they were naked. Again, in the natural, Laodicea was famous for its black wool industry. They were helping clothe people with, uh, with the wool, but spiritually they were naked. Um, public nudity was a shameful thing. Jesus says, you need to come to me, and in contrast to the those black woolen clothes that are going out from Laodicea, and I will give you gleaming white clothes. So they were self-deluded. But not only that, they were wealth deluded. Wealth deluded. In the parable of uh, the seed, Jesus talks about seed that uh, is thrown amongst the thorns, worries, riches, and pleasures choke out the seed and it can't grow. Jesus goes further and describes wealth as deceitful. Uh, you might say, well, that's, that's interesting. But actually, I'm not that wealthy. Compare, compare me to the CEO of Fletcher Challenge, who earns $6.8 million. This is 21 uh, pay packet. And so compared to him, you're not wealthy. But compared to the rest of the world as a whole, we are in the top bracket of wealth in New Zealand. And compared to other times in history, we're wealthy beyond belief. <clears throat> when we lived in Africa, we had a guard, uh, one of our towns for a house. We'd actually inherited him. <laughs> he was in his 60s. Uh, he lived across the road. He was half-time. We paid him, I believe, um, 20,000 CFR as a, as a guard, about $60 New Zealand dollars a month. And in some ways, he was kind of average, to be true. Um, <clears throat> And um, but anyway, he was our guard. We took him one time to the biggest hotel in town to buy him a cold coke. And um, this hotel had had a pool. It was always green. Had algae in it. it was, uh, had ripped up carpet. They had um, the rooms had broken taps and things. It's sort of like a uh, a youth hostel. The price to stay one night was about 25,000 CFR, so 75 New Zealand dollars. And when we took Brian in there, he'd never been in there, and he could not understand how someone could pay more than his monthly wage to sleep one night in a room. And he just kept out, he's saying, just to sleep, just one night, just to sleep. And we are wealthy beyond belief. Even in the lowest paid bracket of New Zealand, compared to the world, compared to our time in history, we're so wealthy. We're so wealthy. If you're hearing this on a device, as we are, 
We're wealthy. And Jesus says this about wealth. It's deceitful. Wealth can trick you. Wealth can delude you. It can so easily become a false god. Uh, more of this next week. We're going to look at the false idols of money, sex, and power. And, you know, wealth can give you a sense of power, a sense of control, a pride that blinds you to spiritual realities. It can so easily dilute your devotion to Jesus. It can make us spiritually blind. So we can not only be self-deluded, we can be wealth-deluded. And that was what had happened at Laodicea. They were bland and they were blind. But what about Jesus? What's Jesus like? Verse 14 says, he's faithful. Jesus is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the amen. What Jesus says he will do, he does. He is faithful. He's certain, and he is powerful. Again, in verse 14, he's a ruler of God's creation. Original word can also mean origin, like in Colossae, just up the road from Laodicea. Paul describes Jesus, Colossians 1, 15 and 16. He is the image of the unseen God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created. He's the exact image of God. That is not seen. The firstborn of all creation. Uh, all things by him were created. The, the things in the sky and the things on earth. He's powerful. He's powerful. He's a ruler of creation. Jesus is faithful and Jesus is powerful and Jesus is insightful. The church at Laodicea, they were self-deluded and they were wealth-deluded. But not Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, I think. Jesus doesn't say, I reckon. Jesus says, I know. I know your deeds. I know your deeds. He repeats that a lot. He says, I know your afflictions. I know that you live in a tough place, he says to one of the churches. Jesus sees deeply. Jesus is faithful. He's powerful. He's insightful. And he's full. He's full of love. Jesus is full of love. Verse 19. And this includes tough love. Those I love, Jesus says, I rebuke and discipline. If Jesus didn't love them at Laodicea, he would have just walked out, would have not bothered with them, would have just walked away. He was highly frustrated by them, but he still loved them, and he still desired to be reunited with them. But his love will at times include tough words and discipline, and we need to see that. We keep seeing that as his love, not as lack of love. It's his his love is his tough love, but also there's stuff love. Verse 18, Jesus' love is not just tough love, but it's, it's got lots of goodies, lots of stuff. Not just tough love, but stuff love. Jesus said, I have all this stuff. You just come to me and get it. You got these, you know, you got your black wool garments, but come to me and I'll provide you with gold refined by fire. 
and shiny white clothes and eye medicine that will truly make you see. And so it's decision time. It's decision time. A decision needs to be made at the church at Laodicea and decision needs to be made by us and other believers and other churches that are in that same situation that this is described in Laodicea. Jesus standing at the door knocking. And in contrast to popular opinion, the picture here is not of the owner um, uh, coming and knocking at, at our house. It's Jesus returning to his house. He's been away and he's come back to his house. His servants are inside and Jesus is knocking at the door of his house. Two, two options are outlined from this passage and corresponding consequences. A, to be self-reliant, proud, and lukewarm, verses 15 to 17. This, this leads to being spat out by Jesus. That's verse 16. Like that yucky water from up the road at the city of Herapolis. Hot pool water. Fine to swim in. You try and drink it, it'll make you sick. Make you want to puke and spat out. Why new you here? We see another type of spat out sometimes. You see a surface spat out from a wave. On big waves, you can you can be in two minds. Do I paddle up over the wave? Or do I paddle into the wave to catch the wave? And uh, <laughs> And if you're not earnest, and if you're not really going for it, you're not really paddling for it, you get kind of stuck in between. And the wave will just wall up, and you can see down below, and then it hollows out, and you get spat. <laughs> Surf will get spat out. Don't risk being spat out by Jesus. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be bland. It's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous posture to take. So be earnest, be zealous, repent. This leads to acceptance by Jesus and fellowship with Jesus. He says, if you open the door, I'll come into the house and we can have fellowship together. We can eat together. You can sit on my throne with me. Option B is way better than being spat. Come in. With Jesus, have Jesus come and eat with him, sit on his throne with him. And the other major decision is this. And as we finish Revelation 1, 2, and 3, this is our decision. And Jesus kept on asking this, kept on pumping this. And it's the question of how will we listen? How will we listen? Jesus, every church, he said, if you have an ear, listen. Listen properly. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches, meaning respond. Put it in practice. The parable of the good soil, Mark 4, it's repeated in, in Luke 8 and Matthew 13. It's regarded as the parable of parables. First major parable of, of Matthew and Mark and Luke. It's uh, one of only three that's given a detailed explanation. And in, in the parable of the soil, the seed is good. The message is good. The word of God is good. That doesn't change. But what changes in the parable is the soil. The place where the seed lands, 
perseverance, the receptiveness of the recipients. The good soil is a heart that hears well and produces great harvest. That's major. And the story that follows the, the parable of a good soil is a parable of the light, the lamp that's lit, that's lit. And Jesus says, don't put it under a bed. You put it on a lampstand. That's what a light's for. The essential thing, the spiritual truth, is how you respond to it. Luke 18, verse 8. Luke 8, verse 18. Luke 8, verse 18. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. The essential thing is how you respond to the message of God. Don't think you can park it. You can store it. You can put it on the shelf, put it under a bed for when you need it. It's, it's not what you to do with it. As you respond, God will give you more, will meet you more. But if you are determined to be bland, you risk being spat out. It's such a dangerous place. Lukewarm is not a safe place. Having a foot in both camps is it's not a safe place. It's a dangerous place. If you're listening, respond. Be determined to be earnest, to be zealous, to let your light shine. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen.